Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hey, you guys, this episode of Get Real Podcast with Lainey Hayes, who is the wife of Walker Hayes, is such an incredible, vulnerable, emotional episode. Lainey walks me through her love story with Walker Hayes. They met in high school, started dating when they were 17. We go through their ups and downs. They actually met, their first date was a monster truck rally. (laughs) Really cute. But she just talks about their whole journey together. His career, they have six kids together and she was pregnant with her seventh and they lost their seventh child in childbirth. And Lainey is very open about that story and she shares it and she shares her feelings and she shares the entire entire journey. And it's really, it's really incredible just hearing her talk about it. And she wants to use the story for healing and to help others. And I just think she's so brave and so strong to be able to share this. And so I'm so grateful to share it with you guys, whether you've gone through something that is so emotionally hard and painful, or you know someone that has, just to hear how someone has walked this walk and is coming out with faith and grace is so inspiring. So get excited for Lainey and just, I just want to thank her for being so honest and vulnerable with this story with me. She also talks about Walker and their sweet relationship, how they're so good at communicating. He loves to communicate. He's a romantic and his newest song, Don't Let Her, is all about 
Lainey and how much he loves her. And it's so sweet and their story is amazing. And I just think the way they're using their lives and Walker's platform and Lainey's speaking up and using her voice to help others heal is truly remarkable. So here's Lainey Hayes. Okay. Hey, Lainey Hayes. Hi. What's going on? Oh, feeling a little out of my comfort zone. Is this your first podcast? Definitely. Definitely your first podcast. Definitely. Okay. So um, thoughts about how, like, what do you think about podcasts? Well, I, in an ideal world, I think I would love listening to them a whole lot, but in reality, I do get to every now and then, but it's not um, very typical that I get to spend, you know, an hour, an hour and a half listening with the world tuned out. Because you just have like six kids to care for and you homeschool them all, right? I do. How do you do do that? Because it's all different grades. So it is. uh, My oldest is 13 and my youngest is three. So the bottom two were not in school this past year. And the oldest is in seventh grade. And then I have every odd year. So there are seventh, fifth, third, first. And then the two little ones are not in anything. But I try to combine them as much as I can because it really makes it a lot easier. And then my oldest two pretty much do everything on their own. They don't they don't need a lot of assistance except for just with questions and I kind of I have to teach math to my oldest one because it's starting to get a little more complex. But other than that, um the biggest part is the beginning where you teach them how to read and then once they can read, then they can sort of learn on their own. Did you know how to teach before you became a homeschool teacher? Definitely no, not at all. I was so uncomfortable. And honestly, the only reason we even started is because when our oldest hit kindergarten age, we were kind of on a loosey-goosey schedule. We stayed up late at night. We would go see Walker whenever we could. And then we would sleep late. And so we kind of were thinking kindergarten will totally disrupt our family life. And so I was like, well, I can homeschool. And she still seemed so young. It seemed kind of possible to do that. And here we are this many years later. I would have never thought I would continue this. And I never would have thought I would have had seven kids. So, um, you know, you blink and life kind of goes different directions than what you think. But, but yeah, here we are. And I love it. The beginning, the first year I was super uncomfortable. I was thinking, how in the world am I supposed to teach my child how to read? I don't even know how to do this. I have no education background. And then you know, you just figure it out. It's your kid. You at least know your child (laughs) better than anybody, I guess. But, um, yeah, you learn as you go. You do a lot of trial and error, a lot of ditching what you thought was going to work and didn't work. And his parenting, right? Right. Learning on the fly, especially when you're married to a musician. It, which I love that you were representing Walker Hayes. You got a shirt on. You're proud. Uh, yes. Proud you know, wifey. I pretty much live in pajamas or Walker Hayes merch. <laughs> that is about the extent of my wardrobe. I love that. Not kidding. I mean, literally in a Walker Hayes shirt all the time. Well, he's got great merch. Sometimes I know he does, right? It it's looks soft. Great. It's awesome. I like it. Looks now, cool. when he's with me, sometimes I feel like I kind of don't need to wear his merch. But, <laughs> but for the most part, I do. Okay, so you and Walker have... A crazy story. Y'all started dating or knew each other. Tw- your first date was 21 years ago, 22 years ago? Something like that. So we were, How old were y'all? we were 17. Oh my gosh. And I was, well, you know what? We started at the same school when I was in kindergarten and he was in pre K. So I'm a year older. Oh, older la- know, he liked the right? older ladies from Something the beginning. Like yeah. Go you know, Walker. He says he likes, a, he likes a girl that he thinks can drive a minivan and take him to school or something. <laughs> I don't know. He's crazy. But 
So I was in kindergarten. He was in pre-K when we started at the same school. It was a super small school. And then we didn't really meet until I was a senior and he was a junior. He, um, you know, I guess we probably knew of each other, but not, you know, not really that well. And we ended up in a play together. We were in Little Shop of Horrors together. Okay. And that's how we sort of got to know each other better. And then we were in a chorus class also at the same time. So... I was sitting down the row from him just in rehearsals one night and he s- had a solo. He was the main character in the in Little Shop of Horrors. He was like, Seymour. Dang. Yes, exactly <laughs> that. He started singing his first solo line and I very vividly I mean that was a million years ago but I very vividly remember looking down the road like who is that the second he started singing. I was like that boy can sing and um Anyway, that was sort of where it started, I guess. And then we So talent does pay off. Like I the singers so. get the chicks. Maybe so. Maybe <laughs> it's legit. I never thought I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna go after the musician guy, but You couldn't resist. You know, yeah. Uh-huh. Something about that voice. Yeah. I just I was I was in. Okay. I was totally in. Um but then we kind of did the whole, you know, seventeen year old okay, I talked to my friends. Oh, I really like him. I want to, I want to hang out with him. And he talks to his friends. And so we all get together in a group of friends and go out. And so Walker and I kind of were instrumental in planning the evening, but we planned a monster truck show. Okay. Great. First right? date. I know totally. So we planned this and we made sure all of our friends were going to come. So it wasn't going to be really awkward. Got to. And so we went as a group to this monster truck show and then we went to McDonald's. Loving I mean, what it. could be better? Got French Gosh, fries. Nailing this date. I know. Perfect <laughs> first date. I'm, I'm in. Yes. Uh, so we did that. And then, you know, all the friends kind of slowly disappear. I've got to go home. You know, I've got this. And so everyone else disappears. And it's just Walker and me. And we went to a... They were building a gym at a church right behind his house. And so it was kind of a construction site. And I don't really know why we went over there. He used to always just go over there and shoot basketball. So we drove over there and there was a genie in the parking lot. Like one of those. So one of those construction tools that you lift up in the air and it kind of looks like an accordion underneath the platform type thing. So anyway, I was not a rule breaker. Like that was pretty out of character for me to get into a construction site and yeah. we weren't really breaking in. I mean, we weren't doing anything. We weren't vandalizing or but doing anything wrong. On property illegally. Yes. Yes. So he kind of grew up. That was his church that he went to. So he kind of grew up okay. there. So it was his church. So it he feels like he's got. The and right. it was in his backyard. So he okay. always was there. But anyway, so we climb on this genie and the keys were in it. Oh my God. And so, right. So we're 17 year old kids and we drive this genie around in the parking lot and we were like, wow, this is really fun. Did you feel nervous? Um, or are you just so like yes, butterfly filled but you're that you're so like... butterflies and everything's <laughs> exciting and you're just so giddy that I, I think you kind of think with a different brain maybe yes. than you would normally. Yes. So we drove around in that and then realized we could lift it up in the air. Oh so we lifted this thing all the way to the top of, you know, as high as it would go. And how nobody came and we're like, Hey, what are these people doing? What's going on over here? But nobody came over there. And we sat in the bottom of this genie for hours. I mean, I don't even know how many hours passed, but we just talked all night long. And at 17, that's not that common. I mean, you don't usually just, yeah, your friends. Yes. But 
not really with a boyfriend or he wasn't my boyfriend, obviously at the time, but that was not typical. But we just talked and talked and talked and talked and talked all night long and really just started a friendship, I guess. But we, there was scrap metal in the bottom of the genie and we sat and twisted earrings and bracelets and rings and, and I still have a ring that he made Stop. from that night oh a million years gosh. ago. Gosh, So yeah. monster trucks, McDonald's and breaking the law. That's, that's right. How the, that's how you guys do your that, first date. Yes, that is the key the to happiness. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Um, but yeah, it worked for us. Usually so. people, I feel like, break up at the end of high school. You know, like right. you don't start your relationship at the end of high school. So y'all kind of like reversed it in a way. Because people are like, okay, we're going to college. We need to break up or we're right. going our different ways. But y'all are like, no way, man. Well, I I had kind of been in a long relationship, I guess, over high school. And I was not dating anybody at that time. And definitely, definitely not looking to find somebody. I mean, this was March of my senior year. So I mm-hmm. was. I was headed to college in a couple months. And certainly was not looking to meet someone. But, you know, he had to start singing. And it just all went down from there. So, I, you know. So when, when did you're y'all not expecting it, I guess. Get together. When did y'all DTR make it official? So like immediately, like probably <laughs> that night we were like, okay, this is it. No, um, we did end up. So after we left the genie, we ended up walking to his, uh, his back porch, which was, you know, in right next to it. And we sat there and still just talked and talked and talked and talked. And I was like, I am not leaving until he kisses me. I'm going to stay right here. And I was this older girl and we always say, I kissed you first. No, I kissed you first. And he's like, no, I really did. But it was a super cheesy moment standing on his porch, of course. And we were kind of like reciting lines from, from play. Yes. Oh my God. How cheesy is that? I love this. But so memorable. I love it. So y'all were just like acting out your play. Yeah. So we were just kind of, I mean, flirting, you know how that goes. And kind of going through lines of the play, and then he kissed me while we were doing that. And so we definitely remember that and still tease about it to this day. And that was the start. And that was the start. You never broke up since? No, 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 no. We broke up a whole lot. Okay. So we dated, so I guess that was, I mean, we didn't make it official then, but we never dated other people after that. And then... We dated all through my freshman year of college. So I went off to college. I went to Birmingham Southern and we dated that whole year of my freshman year. And then he came to Birmingham Southern the next year. And he came after you. So he did. So he came after me and we dated that year. That was our rockiest, probably not ever, but that was the rockiest time, you know, so far in our relationship is when he came to college with me. Just the adjustment. I had been there by myself a whole year. I'd had my friends. He came to visit a whole lot, but it still wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. You know, he he probably missed out really on a lot of his senior year because he was coming to visit me every weekend. And, you know, we were young. You're just making decisions as you go and, and whatever. But so after he came to school there, it was just a hard, you know, it was his first year of college. So he was ready to be a freshman in college. Yeah. And I was already past that. And that was just, I don't even know specifically, but just that whole adjustment was really rough. I feel like in your early 20s in college, age and like years make such a difference. And then right. you get older and they all blend together and it doesn't matter. But like those years, like freshman year is such a pivotal year. Yes, Senior sure. year is such a pivotal year. Yeah, like every year of college is so different, you it, know? It is. And it then really you get is. out of college and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, then you're in life. Yes, 
and you get thrown into it. Yeah. But did y'all get engaged in college? So no, we, okay. So we broke up then after, I guess his sophomore year. I mean, his freshman year, my sophomore year. And y'all broke up just cause it was hard. Just like him being a freshman, you already being there, same kind of thing you're talking about. Right. But we were at a small school. So really when you're in school, it's hard to break up because you're, it's not like a big college campus. I mean, you see each other everywhere. We, by this time had, you know, pretty mutual friends. Um, so we would try to break up sometimes. Maybe we broke up during the school year. I don't even really remember, but it just never really worked. We just always, we were that couple who broke up and got back together and nobody ever knew whether we were dating or not dating. Okay. You know, we were, we were those people. Okay. And so after, after we, um, well, when the summertime came, we really did break up and he would go work at a summer camp and I just kind of did my thing during the summer. And so we kind of were, we broke up like every single summer throughout college, I think. Would you date maybe. other people then? So we would date other people. Okay. Yes, we would. And then, so time passes, we kind of do the whole breakup, get back together thing over and over and over and over and over again. And then eventually we hit this point and we're like, we have got to really break up for good. I mean, we're yeah. not helping ourselves out. We don't even know whether we're together because we really love each other or we're together because it's all we know. You know, we were kids when we started dating. You know, at this point we're past college and we're like, we've just got to, we got to know. Yes. And so we break up. We go nine months. We're like, we can't even talk to each other. We can't see yes. each other. We can't. You there have was to. no social media then either. So Thank breakups God. are right. So breakups break are a up. lot easier. You can't you can't spy on each other. You I mean you can try to find a friend and go, hey, what's he up to? You know, is he hanging out with anybody? But you can't. Like, but you can't spy on stock him. hard. So that's good. That yes. helps you out. I feel sorry for kids these days. I know. <laughs> but so we break up. We really decide we're not going to talk to each other. So we Y'all don't have cut any cold turkey. Cold turkey. Cut ties. No talking. No email. No. There was no. Yes, there was email at that point. Nothing. So we go nine months. Then we have a friend that's getting married. And I knew he was singing in the wedding. Golly, killer number one. Uh So he was singing in the wedding and I knew it. And I was going to be there too. And we both kind of went into it. I think he was dating somebody at the time. I, I don't think I was. But we went into it going, you know what? It'll be nice to see each other, you know, oh, a good yeah, friend. Right. Okay. We both legitimately thought this. Okay, like, okay. We're going to see each other. <laughs> It'll be so much fun, you know. I've missed them. Um, oh, this person I've loved my whole life. Right. It'll be so casual. I know. Uh, what were we thinking, right? <laughs> okay, so we go to this wedding. I really did think, you know, I was going to see him, and it was going to be a moment of, it's great to see you, but... I just know we would never work out. Like I'd kind of come to that realization that we were on. never, we were never going to be able to make it work in okay. a healthy way. And so we see each other and the second, okay. So my nephew was born the day of this friend's rehearsal dinner. So I show up late to the rehearsal dinner and he is walking out as I walked in the door and it was like the world stood still. <laughs> and I, I'm, I hope I, I don't think I'm overly dramatic, but that was one of those moments where I was like, Oh my goodness. I was not prepared, not prepared at all. And he says the same thing. So at that point, you know, he was still dating somebody else. We talked and we kind of hung out some and whatever, but nothing, nothing major. But after that, we started contacting each other, you know, and a little he quickly bit more. Broke up with his girlfriend. He did. <laughs> he broke up with his girlfriend. Um, but still, you know, he lived, we weren't even living in the same city. So, you know, we did talk some, but we knew we were going to see each other at another friend's wedding a few months later. So when we saw each other at that wedding, we both came single. Neither one of us were dating anybody at that point. And, um, 
then basically got, got back, back together. together at that and wedding. never broke up again after that? Uh, we got engaged like six weeks later after that wedding. So we, you know what, the, the, the turning point of our relationship that took it from kind of a kid in love to more of a definitely not adult because we were young. I mean, we were in our 20s, early 20s. But we had this conversation and we had always been the kind of couple who spent hours and hours and hours on the phone. Like we were always super communication heavy and talked a whole lot. But the one night that I really remember feeling like, oh my goodness, this is really different this time. And I would say that every time, every time we would get back together, I'd be like, it's different this time. No, it's different this time. But it wasn't, it was the same immature. Oh, I'm jealous. Oh, you know, that kind of relationship. But this moment we sat and talked forever and we told each other, everything it was like we completely came clean with every yes with every piece of baggage in our lives every thing that we had done that we wish we hadn't just everything we came clean on all the dirt we could think of and it was truly a different it was just a different level that we hit of communication and from there it really was different and we did we got engaged six weeks later but even i mean it was still quick because people even you know, I remember him telling people that we, you know, I got engaged and they're like, to who? You know, like <laughs> yeah. nobody even knew we were together at that point. So it was a whirlwind, but clearly we knew each other really, really, really well. Yes. But the engagement came quickly. When you have a big love like that, though, it's hard to ever have anyone else take that spot. Right. I feel that way, too, because I dated Michael for, we dated like four years, broke up two, and then got ma- Then after our two-year breakup, we got engaged four months after we got back together. Kind yeah. of the same thing. It's like, everyone's like, uh-huh. what? Y'all are back together? What? Y'all are married? Like, what's wrong with y'all? Wait, are y'all crazy? Did I miss something? Yeah. Yeah. But um, when you have that big love, I feel like it's hard to ever have anyone take that spot. Sometimes the timing is just not right, and you have to grow up and, like, mature. If you meet too young. Right. Not meet too young, but if you meet so young, it just takes a little while to takes Get a little more time to work those things out. Because you're growing up while you're dating. Right. And I think sometimes you have in your head, like, the person that I'm going to marry is going to look like this. Or you are you yes. have this sort of these parameters in your, in your head of what that person is going to be. But that's not always who you have that connection with or fall in love with or whatever. It doesn't always make sense on paper. And I think I was always the real rational brain. And so I think to me... Maybe it didn't make sense on paper, but I just knew he was the only person I was going to ever love. Like I would try mm-hmm. to date other people and it just wasn't there. I mean, yes. I was like, this person makes sense on paper, but it just it doesn't feel right. Yes. It wasn't right. I never yes. had that same thing. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it didn't, it didn't always make sense. It still doesn't, but you know, you, you fight and you, I don't know, you get through all those times that don't seem to make sense. So I read a bunch of articles about you guys. Because do you have an Instagram? I don't. I, I know. instagram I know. Oh I'm my sorry. Gosh. I don't. And Walker <laughs> is, he is sort of wanting me to. You got to get an Instagram. You know, there. At least to spy on your kids when they get older. There are. <laughs> so we've always, we always really wanted to keep our kids private. Not, That's good. not like a, oh, they're better than anybody else. Just for their sake. You know, just. Yeah, I kind of didn't want them to ever be kids that were recognized when they were out apart from Walker. But, you know, the more that time passes, I always felt very strongly about that. But Walker and I have talked a lot. We've obviously had a lot of 
unique experiences in life. And there's nothing wrong with sharing your life with other people. The more we communicate, the more we share the yucky stuff in our life, it helps other people. You know, it makes other people not feel alone or it makes other people feel, oh my goodness, I'm normal. And there's part of me that for my kids wants to protect them and go, you know what, it's nobody else's business if my kid is struggling with blah, blah, or whatever it is. But at the same time, I want my kids to be able to tell other people. I remember my oldest telling, talking to a friend and telling her about stuff that was going on. And this friend was like, oh my goodness, me too. And I feel like, you know, on one hand, I want to protect their privacy. And on the other hand, I want them to realize we're all the same. We all struggle with the same things. You know, you're not, you're not alone in whatever you're going through. So I kind of go back and forth on the whole, keep them private, you know, help them see that we're just a tiny speck in this great big world. I don't know. How do you view all that? Like, cause that is such a fine line, especially being in the spotlight and especially when you are going through things, how do you decide that you're willing to share? Because a lot of people would be like, get out of my life, you know? For Walker and me, we don't mind sharing at all. Our, you know, I'm willing to talk about anything. Uh, there's nothing really that's off limits to me. I'm more than happy to share with people. And again, I always just pray like, oh, let it just benefit somebody. Like, I don't know what to say. I don't have the words. I mean, I don't ever know, especially... I, like I said, I don't ever do podcasts. I mean, there's no reason I ever have to share and I don't have an Instagram. So, you know, I really don't ever have to do that kind of stuff, but I just want, whether it's in a conversation with a friend one-on-one or this kind of outlet, I just want it to benefit somebody. I mean, hopefully I say something where there's someone out there that doesn't feel that alone or feel abnormal or whatever it is. But, um, that, that's one reason why I would consider doing Instagram, but I'm use afraid of the time suck. Yeah, I would I would definitely want to use it as an outreach, but I am just afraid of the, everybody says, oh, you'll get on a rabbit hole and, you know, two hours later, you're <laughs> like, what have I been doing? And, you know, my time is, is very stretched thin, yes. I guess you could say. And I'm afraid I'll be like, no, kids, just go to your school and I'm just going to sit here and play <laughs> on Instagram or I don't know. The, those are the things that I'm more afraid of and we don't we don't allow our oldest to have social media yeah. so so maybe y'all will get it together when y'all maybe decide. and maybe we can navigate it together I yeah. mean you know I it's not like we're gonna keep her in a closet or anything but at the same time for her own sake I mean we tell her we we are super big communicators around here so we just try to tell her why we won't you know why we won't let her have it it's not we're not just trying to be mean parents right. you know it's hard enough when you're 13 to not compare your life to everyone oh, else's gosh, right you know, there's no reason you need to be looking at everybody's, you know, exciting Instagram lives and that are just the highlight reel. Right. Do your kids respond well to communicating? Like, are they, are they good at understanding when y'all have these conversations? Cause what is the key to parenting? I'm about to embark on right. this role. Like, so when are you due? Uh, first week of September. September. Okay. So, um, but like you have amazing children. I walk in and they're all so nice and so respectful. They're so cute and so sweet. How do you instill all that in them? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. The, well, one is realizing how much we don't have it figured out. Probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, we tell our kids all the time, you have to remember y'all made us parents. Like we weren't seasoned parents before y'all came along. Like we're learning as we go. I mean, we apologize more than, you know, I mean, we mess up and mess up and mess up and mess up again and lose our patience. And 
whatever. And I so mean, you're not scared to say sorry. To oh, golly. We live in sorry land. <laughs> like, I mean, we, yeah, that's just part of it. Like I want them to realize, I don't want them to have us on a pedestal. You know, I want them to realize we're just imperfect people trying our best. I mean, I want them to know how much they are loved how much they are valued as their unique little personalities because they're all so incredibly different. And I want them to all see they have strengths and weaknesses and that's okay. I mean, there's things they're good at and things they're not and that's all fine. I mean, that's just the messy part of life. But the secret to parenting, check back with me in 20 years <laughs> and I'll let you know like what we screwed up and what we did well. I, don't, I really don't know. Um, but we, Walker is the communicator. I'm not that by nature, but really? he is super communicator. He wants to talk about everything. He wants nothing to be awkward, nothing to be really off limits. And so yeah, how does he start those conversations. Does so he just like walk in and be like, Oh, he'll talk about anything. He gets <laughs> back from you know, traveling. And he's like, so Lila, have you started puberty yet? I mean, <laughs> like, and I know people think that's weird and people look at us like, have you lost your mind? Like, did he really just say that? But he does not want anything to be weird. Like, why is that stuff weird? We all go through I it. Agree. I mean, so that's, that's kind of the approach we take. And okay. uh, again, I know there's probably plenty of people who want to point fingers and judge us and whatever, but that's just the way we work. And every family's different. And that is Amazing. I think we're all uniquely gifted to be the parents to the children that we have. So yes. everyone's going to bring their own talents and gifts into their relationships and parenting and, and everything else. But for us, I have really, he has won me over to the communicator side of things. Um, I just see how it benefits us as a couple. And, you know, even those awkward things you don't always want to talk about, you've got to go there. Like, it's just, yeah. it is so healthy and then on the other over. side. And, and then you is. get rid of it. You don't carry it around with you. It is like just everything. I mean, immediately bring it up. Like when it hits your heart, you should go ahead and bring it. No, granted, like maybe right now is not the perfect timing. Like you do have to find kind of timing wise, but, but yeah, just communicating everything. I mean, we, we're very open with our kids about all those awkward things, puberty and sex and childbirth and how do you talk about sex with your kids? Whatever it is. Well, you know, Walker had always communicated to me how much he wanted those things to be open conversation. And I was like, ooh, weird. No, <laughs> I don't know about that. That's that's not my comfort zone. And then he was gone one time and um just our kids were sh- and this is going to be a lot of information, but our kids were showing some just sexual curiosities and Normal. interest. And that was how I felt. I was like, they, I could see them feeling like some guilt about it. And I did not want them to feel that way at all. And so I went ahead and just told them, I was like, Hey, this is why like we, we are made to care about that. Like that yes. is part of who we are and you should never feel guilt about that. Like I would never want them to wrap up guilt with their sexuality. Yes. If that makes any sense. I, especially like with, with faith and stuff. Faith is so important, but sometimes it gets all messy in there because it is not a bad thing to right. be sexually curious. Right. And so that was kind of the place that I came from. I didn't want them to, I just wanted them to realize this is how you're made. These yes. things are so good. You just have to 
learn the correct parameters of, yes. you know, knowing about these things and dealing with it, but know that you're not abnormal to care or to think about these things. And I so that's that. kind of how it started. So not making it a big deal, just saying you're, you're right to feel this way. Right. And so I just kind of told all of them at the same time, because that's, we're pretty much all together all the time. I mean, I our, our house is not really made for a family of eight. Our, you know, we, everybody pretty much shares our bathroom. I mean, we kind of have some communal living going on <laughs> at the Hayes house. So I just went ahead and told all of them. And of course they all process it at different. I started very basic and they all process it at different levels. And then the older ones came back with questions and I was amazed at the depth of their questions so early on there. I would have been sad to not have talked to them about it. You know, any, I don't, I don't know. It just would have made me sad that they really could come up with questions like that at such a, what I thought was an early age, you know, they needed somebody to talk to them about it. It's a you know, they don't need that, that those to be talked about. Right. They don't need that with friends and yeah. misinformation and so online information and whatever else they might come up with. It's better so. coming from you and Walker than right. them going and trying to piece it together themselves. Right. And they have come back with some big questions that even, I mean, you know, I'm 39, but I still kind of want to giggle when they ask certain questions. And that's, I mean, that's just how we are, you know, for some reason <laughs> we want to giggle at weird words, but you know, I'm so thankful that they'll come and ask questions to me and not to a friend or something. So I don't I know, that. again, check back with me in 20 years and <laughs> let me tell you how we've screwed them up or how we've uh, maybe no. said, you know what, that benefited them in life, but I don't know. I love them so much and I just, I just want them to know how much we love them and we're trying our best. I mean, we mess up so much, but we, I mean, I want, I'm Lord knows I am not a perfect mom. Walker puts me on this like superwoman pedestal and he it does, is not, he? he does. And I'm like, it is, I just want people to see it is, I lose my patience. I mess up. I, I am not super mom, but, um, I do just want my kids to know, I, I want to try to make decisions about what is in their best interest long-term, mm -hmm. not like what helps me right this minute. And you know what? We all have to get through the day and we all have to survive. I mean, right now I'm letting my kids do more device time than I would <laughs> normally, but you know what? We, we have to get through the day. But at the end of the day, I do want to make decisions where I feel like this is going to benefit them in life, not just what's convenient for me right this second. Like I don't see them as get out of my they're not like my little puppets. Mm -hmm. I really want them to grow into the people they were meant to be. I agree with that. I think that every child comes here for, they have their own purpose, their own personality. And like we get to guide them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's amazing looking back at their infancies at how much their personalities were really evident. So, so, so early and you don't know it in its fullness until they get a little bit older, but yeah, they're, they're their own little unique people. And, you know, parenting looks different for each of them. For yeah. sure. I mean, I, I definitely don't parent them the same. <laughs> I'm, at I all. bet. I mean, they have different rules. Like my oldest got a phone younger. My second one is already older than she was, but we're not getting him one. And that's just, I mean, it's not the same. One. It is. I mean, we, yeah, we guess as we go <laughs> is all we do. <laughs> I think that's the only way you can do it.
Dad deserves something really nice for Father's Day. But let's face it, we usually don't do it. Big gifts are for Mother's Day. Picking something up on the way is for Father's Day. Well, let's make Father's Day something this year with the Bartesian Cocktail Maker. It whips up over 60 premium cocktails on demand, each ready at the push of a button. And right now, you get $50 off the Bartesian Cocktail Maker when you buy one pack of Dad's favorite cocktail capsules. Dad will publicly love that you saved 50 on the countertop machine that crafts premium cocktails on demand. And he'll secretly love that you splurged on him for Father's Day with the gift of a Bartesian. Because the only thing that lets Dad know he's the world's number one dad better than a world's number one dad coffee mug is an artisan cocktail in his hand. Make dad's Father's Day and Father's Day cocktails with all natural juices and bitters without making any mess at all. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash father to get $50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Electricity has always been synonymous with power. And in the BMW i4 M50, power is more refined than ever. It's 100% electric and 100% BMW. Listen carefully and you'll make out the sound of over 500 horses stampeding at a whisper. Experience the rush of pure performance as BMW M-Engineered handling takes you through every twist and turn. And elevate each moment of your drive with a suite of cutting-edge technology, including a BMW Intelligent Personal Assistant that gets smarter with every interaction. I've started guidance. And the most advanced iDrive operating system yet for the most powerful vehicle of its kind. Introducing the BMW i4 M50. Silence has never said so much. BMW, the ultimate electric driving machine. I mean, I, I really do. And like, I think once you have kids, it's just a wild west out there. Like, we've waited till we were older to have kids because I was always really afraid of having children. Right. Like, I was nervous about it because it's like these little creatures that are just their own thing, you know? And it's like all of a sudden they are your whole life. And I just think that you guys do such a great job. And I wanted to talk to you about this because I know you are willing to be open. But like you guys walk through some serious pain. And that's that's really hard to do as a parent. And I don't know how how, how do you walk through serious pain like you and Walker walk through? I mean, again, it's one day at a time. I mean, we are June 6th is one year. And I don't know what to expect. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's, it is learning as we go. I mean, that, and I'm happy to fill you in and whoever's listening on kind of the story that we walked through. Um, I'm not afraid to talk about it. Yes, it's heartbreaking to talk about, but it's like, I mean, it's real life. Like it's, it's our journey that we went through. And so um, the night before I went into labor, we were sitting at the baseball field at a son's baseball game, just like so many, I mean, so many nights. And he, the next day was the CMT awards. 
And then he was headed out of town on the bus that night after the CMT awards. And I was still pregnant. I'd never carried a baby this long. So I was right at 40 weeks and all of them, I'd never had one past 38. So you know, I'm definitely day to day thinking, why am I still pregnant? This is crazy. We had blocked off the entire month of May for him to be home and May came and went and I was still pregnant. And so we were like, how much longer can he really take off of work? I mean, we got to get back out that we, I mean, he's working as hard as he can to support us and pay for us so that I can follow my dream, which is staying home and homeschooling and doing all these things. And so we're kind of both pursuing our dreams, I guess. And so he's thinking, I got to go back out of town tomorrow. And I'm begging, please don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. (laughs) And really in my head, I was telling him, I'm not afraid of delivering. I mean, you know, I've done this plenty of times. I know I can do it without you there. I just want you here. I just want you here. So we went to bed that night, you know, got home from baseball. I remember he posted on his Instagram story. We were sitting there keeping the score for the game. And I was writing on the paper, please don't leave. (laughs) And he videoed it and posted it on his story. Well, the next day I woke up and this is just like so many of my other kids. I woke up early morning hours in labor. And so I just kind of lie there and I'm watching the clock going, am I really in labor? Am I not? I don't know. I'm going to just watch the clock for a while because I always just kind of have contractions getting closer. And so enough time had passed where I was like, okay, I'm really in labor. So I got up and was like, I'm going to just kind of wake up, walk around, make sure before I wake up Walker. And so I kind of just paced through my house, you know, going, am I in labor? And it was getting more intense. So I was like, okay. So I went and woke up Walker said, Hey, I'm really in labor. This is like textbook around here. I mean, we have done this so many times. And so I wake him up and He's like, oh my goodness, really, really? Okay, well, this time, for the first time, we had planned a home birth because so many of my kids had almost been born in the car. So for the first time we had planned a home birth, um, a lot of our kids had almost been born in the car, and that is not fun. That is super intense. It's scary. It's just not fun. I don't even know how else to explain it. It is not fun. And Walker's driving and we had all the other kids in the car on these other births and, you know, would drive up at the hospital and rush in. And like I was delivering as I was being carted in the hospital. I mean, just. So you have quick labors. Very quick. Yes. Most of them have been very, very quick. So, um, yeah, you know, that's again, all of them are fun and unique in their own ways, but that was intense. The kids were always all with us, whoever, you know, the other ones were at the time. And, you know, so number six, they were all in the delivery room when the sixth one was born because it was so fast. We had no, there was no other choice. We don't have family in town. You know, we don't have friends. Real, I mean, we have neighbors, but nobody close enough. It was just like a kid's get in the car. We're going to the hospital right now. Yeah. And so, you know, they were all lined up on the bench next to me in the delivery room when the sixth one was born. And it was like a, here, turn this way real fast. Okay, like the baby's here. I mean, so we just didn't really want to repeat that. We were thinking, oh, a home setting, that'll be so nice and relaxing. And um, the, uh, so yeah, everything was progressing pretty normally, I guess. Um, I... It was getting more intense quickly, but again, that wasn't really out of character. So I called the midwife. She came on. Um, You know, 
I don't know. You just, you want to look back and go, what were my red flags? But you know, labor is exactly the same. So there wasn't really anything that you go, there were some weird things. Like I kind of was getting lightheaded and stuff, but again, that's not necessarily odd. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, so I went into labor. We're, we're home. I'm just going through labor. The midwife's here. Everything's fine. I mean, they're monitoring the heartbeat. Everything seems okay. And now looking back, I know I was not coherent, but in the process of it, there was no way to know that because I'm a super silent laborer. I can, I don't say a word. Like I don't make a sound. I don't say a word. So for me to be absolutely quiet was not abnormal. I mean, there's no reason Walker would have said, this is weird. You know, yes, there were things that were abnormal, but again, nothing just too crazy. So all of a sudden, I mean, I'd been laboring for a while. I knew it was so intense that I was thinking this baby, we didn't know whether it was a girl or boy. We, I was thinking this baby will be here any minute. And I said, you know, am I close? And they were like, no, you're not close. And that to me was really weird. But again, I wasn't super coherent. So not long after that, you know, they were still monitoring. We just lost the heartbeat. I mean, her heartbeat went from fine, 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 strong to just gone. And in my heart, I was thinking, please just let us just have lost it. You know, they can move down where you can't really detect it as well. You know, just, I don't even know. But I was just thinking, there's no way. Yes, I can still feel movement. I don't, I don't know. Well, at that point, they immediately called 911. The ambulance came. You know, Walker and I have no idea what's going on. I mean, we definitely have never had an experience like this. So the ambulance gets me. The whole process takes a long time, I feel like. Um, the transfer, I remember riding in the ambulance, looking out the window, sort of trying to figure out where I am, but I was not coherent. Mm-hmm. Um, and Walker was in the front, had no idea. I mean, we were so clueless. It It's scary thinking how clueless we were. And I remember hearing the paramedics like saying weird words that I didn't understand, but had no idea I was literally dying in the ambulance. you were dying. So I, yes, I was dying. I ended up losing like two thirds of my blood volume. Cause you had something rupture. So, okay, so we get to the hospital. Um, they had called ahead. All the OR doctor knew, or the OB knew when she met me at the door was, you know, mother 39, wait, I think I was 38, 38 years old, you know, seventh pregnancy, in labor and so she just thought hey we're gonna be having a baby as you walk in the door and so she got me they put me in an ultrasound really no they checked no heart rate um checked again no heart rate then they put an ultrasound thing up and immediately she knew there was no heartbeat again it's all such a blur and it's such a rush that um I don't know if Walker and I fully understood at this point what was going on. So after they did the ultrasound and saw no heartbeat, I mean, I was gone into surgery in an instant. And so Walker just goes to sit in this room by himself and I'm rushed away into surgery. And again, still, we knew nothing. I mean, at this point, he doesn't know that you're in risk. He doesn't know that I'm, that I'm at risk. He doesn't know that he, we both at this point, now know this is not good. Like something is going on with our baby. And so, um, 
the, I go into surgery. I mean, obviously I'm put to sleep. I have no idea what happens in the next. I mean, I was in surgery about two hours and this is the first time that he found out, oh my goodness. Well, they go out and they tell him, uh, it's a girl and she didn't make it. So he is out there basically processing all this by himself. I mean, I'm in surgery. There's nobody there. Um, you know, he's, he, yeah, he's just alone. And it breaks my heart to think about him doing that alone. And then, um, so then they come back and they go, we're doing everything we can for your wife. Wow. And so he, I mean, I think his head is just spinning. Like he does, he's like, wait, what? You know, I just lost my baby. And what do you mean you're doing everything you can for my wife? And so um, my uterus had ruptured. So from what I gather, it was kind of like an explosion. I mean, it was, I I mean, she was in my abdominal cavity. She, you know, was no longer, I mean, my, my uterus basically did just, it was just an explosion. So um, when they did the C-section, she actually ended up with a little cut under her eye because of where they cut me open. She was just right there. And, um, yeah, so, okay, so he's just sitting there for hours, you know, not knowing what's happening. Well, they keep coming back. They're like, we've done, you know, four bags of blood. And then they come back a little later. We've given her eight bags of blood. You know, they just keep kind of coming back and updating him. So I think I ended up with eight bags of blood maybe and, I don't know, platelets and I don't even know what all they do, lots of other stuff. But, um it was by the grace of God that I stopped bleeding. Even the OB told me, she said, I did not know. I I didn't even know why you stopped bleeding, but you just did. And so, um, they were able to, you know, they had talked about, again, I I don't know how much information y'all want, but they had talked about doing a hysterectomy, but she didn't think I would be able to survive that at that point, um, because of the blood I'd already lost. That's where you remove the uterus. Yeah. So that's what ideally they would need to do in a situation like that. But, um, I'd already lost too much blood. So she didn't feel like I could survive that extra trauma. And so they ended up just, you know, stitching me back together, I guess. And, um, then they had to, you know, rinse with four liters of saline. And I mean, they just had to, I don't know, take me apart and put me back together, I guess. Um, but again, I have no idea what's going on here. So I come out of surgery and into recovery and Walker's in there. And I don't remember really a lot of this. So from what I gather, I would wake up and I would just touch my belly. And Walker would tell me over and over and over, we had a little girl and we lost her. So he had to tell me this several times he said because you know in surgery you wake up and you kind of go back out and you wake up and you kind of go back out so every time I would wake up I wouldn't remember and I would just touch my belly again and he would know what I was asking and he would just keep telling me and so finally I remember this is super crazy but so I did I did that again he handed I had a breathing tube down so I couldn't talk and um he hands me a whiteboard and a marker because it was obvious I was trying to say something. And after he told me, I said, I wrote on this whiteboard left-handed and you can't read it, but he took a picture of it. I wrote, can't do this again, adopt. And never in my head had I ever 
said we were gonna adopt. And, I, and my heart's not there right now. Obviously, I have, we have a lot of recovery left, and I don't know what the long-term road is, but I was just like, that's strange. So that's what came out. But again. that's what came out. Um, and obviously, I was a little drugged. Yeah. And um, anyway, but so as I woke up, they, um, once I was coherent, they brought Oakley in, and I will never forget they brought her in in one of those um, those plastic buckets like they always bring a newborn in. And she just had a head full of hair like the rest of all of my kids. And um, it was heartbreaking. So we got to hold her all day long. And um, the hospital was amazing. From what I gather, everyone doesn't have an experience like that. And... Um, we just held her all day long and got to spend time with her and our friends, Craig and Laura, that Walker wrote the song Craig about, they came up there um, and held her with us and just, we just spent the day with her and I need to back up a little bit because there is a person named Michelle that our midwife called to be there. She had lost a little girl years prior and she did not know us. She dropped everything and showed up and ended up sitting with Walker while I was still in surgery. And I never met her because, you know, she she was there with Walker the whole time and then left by the time I came out. But she was an absolute godsend. I don't know what we would have done without her. She just walked us through, or really Walker, and then I later called her, but walked us through everything from you need to hold her, you need to spend time with her, you need to take pictures. Y'all, a, a girl named Callie showed up, a professional photographer, and did pictures of her. Wow. I mean, just all these people jumped in, and it's all the things you don't know that you need, but once time passes, you have no idea what you would have done without them. And these people just showed up, and our midwife is the person that called all these people up wow. here, so I could not thank her enough for putting those people in place for us. But, um, yeah, so we spent the day with her. They had taken pictures, you know, before I ever came out of surgery. So Walker did not want to hold her. You know, they kept saying, you need to hurry up and hold her. You need to hurry up and hold her. And he didn't want to do that without me. So we waited and did that together. Um, but, yeah, so we, you know, it's it's very, it's very bizarre. Um, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, I knew that was just her shell. Like I knew her spirit was long gone. And and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I know that. But the I love that Walker said she's safely in heaven. Yes, and she and she is. Um but the mom instinct of wanting to care for her body is so odd. Like it took me by surprise and I've since talked to moms who have lost children, you know, whether it's babies or, you know, older kids. But it is, you still want to care for them like they were living, even though you know it's just a shell. It's, it's a very, um, you just can't, you, you just can't know what that is like until you've been there. And Michelle and other people, we have a neighbor that stopped by and just spoke into our lives when we didn't want to hear anything, but he just showed up and spoke to us like we just needed. And uh, he had lost an adult son and was just telling us how it's like that song, It Is Well With My Soul. 
the sorrows like sea billows roll. And that is the best way I can think of to describe it. Like the waves, you don't know when they're going to come. And in the beginning, they're super close together and they just crash you constantly. But as time goes on, the waves are, they grow further apart. And, you know, you, you might think one day is good. Like I remember thinking, I didn't really think of six months to be hard. And then that day came and it hit me like a tornado. And then I was thinking, oh, nine months is going to be hard. And that day came and went and it was okay. So it's, that's the thing about grief is you just don't know when it's going to come. It's, it is, it's like those waves and all those parents that showed up for us that have lost kids. We could not, it's the club that you don't ever want to be in and you don't ever want to be a part of it, but you are so thankful that it exists and that there's other people. And that's what Walker and I have kind of learned. Um, I know I'm jumping around so much, but oh, it's Walker and I've kind of learned through those people showing up for us. We've got to tell our story. We've got to, we've got to be those people for somebody else. I mean, we look back and we go that night before where we were sitting at that baseball game talking about you performing on the CMT awards and then you were headed out of town. That stuff just didn't matter all of a sudden. I mean, in the blink of an eye, nothing mattered. And it just sometimes takes I hope nobody has to experience anything like that. But I, but at the same time, those are moments in life that you want the lessons that you learn from them. You don't want the reason that you had to learn those lessons, but the lessons that you take from it are, are so good. And I wouldn't give those back. I mean, just the things that don't matter in life, the things we spend our time and energy and effort chasing that just don't matter. Is I mean, they really don't. the big lessons? So that... For sure. Um, we were kind of a loosey goosey household before that even, but more so now. I mean, just don't sweat the small stuff. Yes. I mean, our, our wall is, has holes all in it from throwing the baseballs and, (laughs) you know, we have a dartboard on our wall with holes all right there and just the things. And I'm not saying you have to live in a house that looks as (laughs) messed up as ours, but it looks loved just, yeah, just there's things that matter and there's things that don't. And it, it's the sobering reminder that, you know, the, and you hear this all the time as a mom, the dishes in the sink don't matter. The, you know, all these things that you think you need to get done, they just don't matter. I mean, they really, really don't. And we saw that even more so uh, by losing Oakley. And again, I think any parent that's been through losing a child or anybody that's been through grief, you, you would give anything to go back in time and change things and to make different choices and to change decisions you made and to go, what was I thinking about different things? But you can't, you cannot. And I had to live in guilt for like a little season. And then Walker very lovingly was like, you can't stay here. Like you gotta keep going. And and he was right. And right after we lost her, I mean, we fiercely loved our other children like we never have. And we always obviously love them and they are such a priority to us, but it is, um, everything else just fades away. It it really does. And so you asking priorities for sure is one humongous thing we've learned or been, you know, been, it was thrown at us and thrown into our faces. The other thing is just 
taking the time and using every bit of everything you have to reach out to other people. And Walker's been uniquely gifted with a platform where he can reach, I guess, a little bit more people than even I can. But his, his, it's given us perspective on his job too. His job is a job. I mean, it's just a job at the end of the day. And he saw that very clearly when we lost Oakley. And I think losing her has given him such a good passion for what he does. He already had that dream and that desire and that passion, but it is read that it like changed his perspective on how he performed and it has music. It definitely has. And his favorite part is just the fans and the people that he gets to meet. And he loves the VIPs and the meet and greets and people come and tell him stories and it is like, we always laugh. We're like, his VIP should be a room where there's metal chairs set up in a circle. And it's like a therapy session. I mean, for him and hopefully for the people that come. And that is how Losing Oakley has really changed what he does. It is not about, he loves the 90 minutes on stage. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he has such a gifting for it and he is passionate about it and he loves music. But it is about connecting with other people and just sharing the journey of life together, the goods and the bads and the uglies. And it is, yeah, it has definitely changed how he views just what he does. Um, Cause as a singer and a performer, you are a form of a preacher in a way you right. are spreading a message. You are spreading energy, right? You're affecting people. Right. And he has the ability to do that. He does. Yeah. And I know his fans are the greatest. They are so sweet and they just embrace our family when people bring him gifts and when they bring him gifts, they bring stuff for the kids and for me. And, you know, they are, they have taken us all in for sure. And he, yeah, they, his fans are the greatest. They share real moments in life. And I mean, he'll get teary eyed at a meet and greet because somebody shares a story and, um, yeah, it's just giving him a passion outside of just the music, which obviously is such therapy to him anyway. I mean, he loves writing, and that's certainly his gift. So from all the different experiences that you guys have had, from meeting so young to you got y'all's love story, Walker's music career, your children, losing Oakley, what would you say the point of this life is? Oh my goodness. Like why are we why do we go through all the things? The pain, the love, the grief, the happiness. Like what is what is all this big ball of right. things that we go through? I mean, I don't I don't know <laughs> first. I mean, definitely don't know. I don't have it figured out. The I don't want to be super preachy, but I feel like you know, we're here to glorify God and to serve others. And there's so many times that I would go, oh, I would just bring Oakley back. But then the other part of me, it's that it's the struggle that I go, why would she want to be in this world? This world hurts. It's painful and it's sad and it's, it's beautiful. And there are a lot of joyous moments, but there's also heartbreak. And, you know, why would I want her to have to come experience that? Um, And so losing a child, you tend to live with one foot in heaven a little bit like you never would have before. I mean, this this earth is fun, too. This earth is great and it's exciting. And 
I love, you know, I, I want to live on this earth as long as I can because I want to be here for my kids and I want to watch them grow up and I want to be with Walker and I want to experience all these things with him. But at the same time, you have this yearning that this earth is not it. This yeah. is just not all there is. And it's a weird, it's a weird living in two places kind of thing that I never knew before, even as a believer, spiritually speaking, it's hard to long for heaven because you don't, you've never been there. You don't know exactly what you're longing for sometimes. And it's been pushed on me, like it or not, um, in a more real way, I guess. And then also just serving other people. I mean, I so just want to, again, I've been encouraged by people like Craig and Laura Cooper and and that story is amazing because Craig gave y'all a van he did in a time where we really needed it and we're definitely struggling and you even have a fund via Craig fund we do and it is that is all the generosity of everybody out there that has nothing to do with us or Walker or anything we always want people to know it is it is the fans out there that are doing that. It's not us. Like he might have set it up, but or his team set it up or his idea or whatever you want to say, but it is the generosity of all the people out there that are giving to it and allowing us to pay it forward and to do things for other people. Um yeah, I I feel like until you're at a point where you really need help, until you've been there, it's hard to fully extend help to others. So I'm grateful for the seasons that we've been through where we were really struggling. I mean, we didn't, I kept always, I always told Walker, it's going to be fine. I know it's going to be okay. I know it's going to be okay. We're going to be fine. We've always been taken care of. It's going to be fine. But sometimes I look back and I go, how, why did I think that? <laughs> I mean, we didn't have any really real signs that it was going to all be okay. You just trusted. I guess so. Uh, you know, you just kind of go through things a day at the time, like I'm sort of a day at the time person. And so I'm not always thinking like, what are we going to do in 10 years from now? I mean, I'm just thinking, okay, well, we got through today. So way to go. <laughs> now we're going to figure out tomorrow, tomorrow. But, um, I'm getting on a tangent. I don't even know where I started talking about this, but all these people that have helped us and, and showed up for us, all it does is make me want to be able to do that for other people. It's amazing. Um, and I think we all need to be, it's good to be at a place where we really need others. And do you think that truly can't the, deny it that, that we need others? Is that part of the beauty of brokenness, do you think? Oh, it so is. And again, I would give back all my brokenness and all my lessons to have Oakley back any day. But you do, we were dealt that. Like like it or not, That is that is the lot we were dealt and so learning taking the gifts that we have received from losing her that is that's one of the biggest blessings I'm I'm thankful to have a platform where I can reach out to other people um you know I can't imagine walking through that by myself or just Walker and you know just the two of us together by ourselves and with our kids I mean we had to walk through it with our kids we had to figure out you know how are we going to tell well he had to tell them because I was in the hospital but you just navigating all of that, you know, helping our kids learn to grieve and, you know, communicate and it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be happy. If you feel happy today, be happy. Like even if it's the anniversary of the day she was born, I mean, if you're happy today, be happy and don't feel guilty about that. If you're sad today, you know, be willing to 
just be sad and that's okay too um walker always says feel your feelings and i'm not a feelings person i know he's like (laughs) he's he's a mess he has watched every romantic comedy and read every every nicholas sparks book and i mean he is he is that and I, and I have to Let's say, talk about our feelings. His latest song about you, Aww. "Don't Let Her." I mean, talk about a feeling guy. He is a feelings guy. I mean, that makes that song makes me sad because it's talking about if, if he died and someone else comes in and replaces him, right? And he's telling all the amazing things about you, like, "Don't let her miss me." Though is that the hook of it? Yeah. If she miss ever misses me, don't let her. Golly. Yeah. <laughs> I even got teary when he he was in the UK. And he was just, he was a, he was going to be gone for two weeks, which is a really, really long stretch for him to be gone. And he gets lonely, really, really lonely. (laughs) And he was just, you know, we had just kind of freshly lost Oakley. So death and just the impermanence of life, I guess, was fresh on our hearts and minds. And he just sort of, sort of jotted down lyrics and texted them to me one night. And I just responded with a teary face. And normally, you know, you get so used when he, when you have a husband that's a songwriter, I get really used to his songwriting. I mean, he brings home songs and I'm like, yeah, that's great. (laughs) No, really, it's great. Uh huh. (laughs) I mean, but I am, I'm, I'm kind of immune to the talent, I suppose. But that one, that one definitely struck me in a different way. And, uh, and I love the, the music, the lyric video. It's just all <laughs> you guys throughout your whole life and like high school and falling in love. It is. It was fun to gather all those when they were working on the video. It was fun to kind of walk down memory lane and gather all the old pictures and look through them. And, you know, we were closer to my daughter's age than oh to where gosh. we are now she's 13 she's 13 and we were 17 so she can and be i'm looking at her like, hubby any Lina, minute look he was cute wasn't he <laughs> <laughs> she's like mom weird <laughs> but um but yeah it was it was it's been really fun getting that together i'm not sure i'm not a shy person i can talk to anybody i know easily, you're very outgoing but i'm not really like a performer type either you know, so it's been interesting to putting you front acclimate, center like that, right? To that is <laughs> has been kind of interesting, and I'm like, oh, you get to point out all my insecurities, <laughs> all my weird things that I hate and love, and <laughs> yeah, it's a little um, but exposing, you're documenting. I suppose, but that's okay. I think it's so sweet, and Lainey, I think honestly, I just want to thank you for your heart and coming on this podcast and willing to be vulnerable about really hard things in life but that you feel like you want to share to help others and I think that you and Walker using your life in this way to share and express things that are hard to talk about is so incredible and I just want to thank you for that because that's not easy to do and it's really it really blew me away with your story and I know other people are going to feel that same way well I appreciate it yeah I'm we're definitely you know Walker's always made it a priority to share the reality in life from his struggles in drinking to sobriety. He gave up to, drinking. He did four years ago. He just said enough. I just, yeah. I mean, honestly, I look back on his career and everything and it, it likely would have been destructive to us all if things had happened when we were in our early twenties and just, it was more of a party and it was an allure of the career and all of those things. And so the struggle that we had over the last 
you know, 13 years was completely worth it. I probably wouldn't have said that in the midst of it, but now looking back, it was, it was what we needed. I mean, those are, he did, he quit drinking. He just woke up one day and so said, did he have a breaking point when he was, he did not. I mean, he always paints me as a super supportive, wonderful, perfect <laughs> wife. Like, Oh, if you're, loved one drinks too much, talk to Lainey and do what she did. <laughs> I'm like, no, don't do that. Definitely don't do that. I really don't know. You just, again, you just wake up and you go through the day. And yes, there were certain worries and anxieties I had and he would be touring and it felt like a party on the road out there and I'm home. And, you know, there were, there were those struggles and just the insecurities of, you're, you know, you're out there partying. Do I trust you? You know, I don't know. Um, because like it or not, we're not exactly the same people when we are drinking. Right. And so, yeah, it all, it bothered me at some point. And then Walker got to the point where, you know, I would always bring it up like, Hey, there's a problem here. And for a while he just kind of pushed me off. And then you know, I wanted to be careful not to nag, even though I know I mixed that in as well. Some, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to nag, but it's hard, it's not, hard to. not to. I mean, we are human. But then he, um, so I would, yeah, I would bring it up. And then he finally got to the point where he would say, yes, I have a problem and I know it, but I cannot stop. And so he was like, I cannot do my job and my life without it because life was hard at that point. Like we didn't know hard yet, but that was hard when we were going through all those things. And then, you know, he just, we kind of communicated that for a season. And then eventually he just woke up one day and it was a football day and he just didn't drink. And there was no rhyme or reason. It was not a planned thing. And one day turned into two and then that turned into three and then four and then he kind of got high on sobriety, I guess. <laughs> yes. And that became, you know, an, an adrenaline thing. And then, you know, his journey has continued. He started working out and got finding so other fit. things. Yes. I mean, I'm He's sure you don't mind that. For sure. He's but, like the Incredible Hulk, but like not as big, but like uh, so strong. <laughs> yes, he is. But it's funny. He's just him to me. I'm like, whether, <laughs> I don't know. He was like this not even a hundred pounds, scrawny, skinny <laughs> runner kid when I met him. And so but now he's like a bodybuilder. All right. And I'm, he's got to hate this, but I don't, I don't really tend to notice. I know people <laughs> always comment on his pictures and they're like, Oh, lucky Laney, whatever. And yes, I think he's so hot, but I think he always has been. <laughs> and, don't take him any style, any different I form. Know, and I don't really notice whether he bolts up a little more. Or he's a little skinnier I mean <laughs> I don't tend to notice those fluctuations I'm sure he wishes he came home and I was like man your me, boobies are looking huge or whatever he wants I don't know put some oil your, on that butt yeah, right your biceps are really bulging today but no I mean we're real life I'm like hey so glad you're home and he likes to cook bacon the second he walks in the door really fun fact yeah bacon I know weird right right when he comes home any time of day when he rolls in on the bus you know it's in the morning okay so he comes in and if I have at least like four pounds of bacon and the big old electric griddle out that is like his love language stop no does everyone love bacon in the house definitely okay. we're all a little more over it because we now we do it all the time it was a <laughs> treat in the beginning but now no I mean like Four pounds of bacon. That's a lot of bacon. Tend to be kind of gone as fast as he can cook it. But he loves to just stand there and think it's like, oh my god, I don't know. 
I freaking love it. Okay, I could talk to you all day, but we're already a, a little over an hour. So I always wrap up every interview with your whole story has been so inspiring. But <clears throat> I wrap up every interview with leave your light. So leave a message that you want people to hear just about life, your journey, what you wish people would know for their hearts. Oh my goodness, what a loaded question. I know. So really, I guess my biggest thing would be just communicate, 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 whoever you have around you, whether it's your mom or dad or siblings or friend, whoever, your spouse, whoever it may be, we have found so much healing in just communication. Again, the good, the bad, the awkward, the funny, you know, sit around and communicate and laugh and tell funny stories or cry or be mad. I mean, it's okay to be, Walker and I love hard and we fight hard. Like, it's okay to be passionate and fight hard too, you know? Um, but just communicating has been so instrumental for us from our first date now makes so much sense that we sat and talked for hours because that is how, that is how we work. Like if we are having one of those seasons where we're at each other's throats, if we just go on a date night, it is, it just makes everything better. Like just to sit and it's hard. Life gets busy. Relationships can become businesses, especially once you have kids. Um, you've got to make that time to just talk and talk and talk and communicate and talk real stuff, like not surfacy. That's why he wrote, say something about the weather in his song about me because we giggle. Like that's kind of superficial talk, you know, like, hey, it's so nice outside. But just share your heart with others. Um, don't be embarrassed about the weird things in life. And I don't know, I hope our kids learn that. We're like, whatever baggage we've given them, if they can just learn to share it with others, it makes carrying it a lot easier. So true. For sure. And I would say our whole journey has kind of maybe led us to that point. I love that. Lainey, you're amazing. You're <laughs> such an amazing person. You and Walker are so inspiring together. Just thank you for being such a bright Thanks light for to having this world. Me. It's crazy that you invited me to be on this. I'm so thankful. <laughs> I feel so uh, inadequate to oh, be on here, but no. thank you for having me. I'm so thankful. This was your first podcast. Right. And thank you right. for sharing your heart. <laughs> thank you. You're amazing. Okay, bye. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. 
That's right. 159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now.